0: Welcome back to Scott Riffs, as presented by Clydesdale Media. My name is Scott Schweitzer. I am the Clydesdale. So glad you could join me tonight. Uh, this has been presented by C4, uh, Extend, and Cellucor. So if you need some of your supplements, make sure to go to XTEND.com. That's official, XTEND.com. Use the code Clydesdale. And you can get at least twenty percent off all your supplements. Also, you can go to youcore.com, use the same code Clydesdale gets everything off your um, gets everything off of your purchase there twenty percent at least. If they're running a deal, you get five percent off their deal. So tonight, Scott riffs. The more I do these, the more I'm hoping to get comfortable being on here by myself. But tonight is where has crossfit missed the mark and then what have the third party institutions around the sport done to capitalize on what uh on what crossfit has not done so where i'm going to start tonight is um when i got into crossfit way back in 2011 I was a geek, I started to watch everything there was to know about CrossFit. And what made it great as a sport is you knew all the players in the sport. Granted, there were less people participating back then, but CrossFit did an amazing job with documentaries, with their media company, for you to get to know all the players in the game. And it wasn't just the top five. It was everybody up and down the leaderboard that you kind of knew back then. And I want to point out two examples that were things that got me into the sport of CrossFit way back in the day. And the first one of those is the Road to the Game series. And I'm going to show a quick video clip just for those of you who may not remember the Road to the Game series um, the one I'm picking is from 2016. And it's a piece with uh, Jacob Hepner, who at the time was just kind of becoming known in the CrossFit space. Hadn't really capitalized um, up the leaderboard, but yet he was featured in A Road to the Games. So let me get to that real quick. Most athletes are like what are you going to do after college sports, you know, like, what am I going to do? I'm going to have all this pent-up aggression and competitive nature, and I'm not going to have an outsource for it. That's I was like, this is it. This is what I'm built for. <sighs> So that's a short clip um, from that road to the games with Jacob Hepner back in the day. Um, it also featured Brooke Wells, who um, I believe that that was the year she kind of came onto the scene was 2016 because uh, she made it at the Columbus regionals that year that I was at. Um, she came out of nowhere as a 19-year-old to kind of hit the hit the ground running. So anyway, what I'm trying to make a point of is those two weren't the big names sport, big names in the sport, yet they had a road to the game series back then, where you got to learn about Jacob being on the farm, his dogs, uh, his little barn that he would work out in before the new one, Um, and all of those things that make you want to root for a guy, right? Not just his performance on on the competition floor, but the way he lived his life. Where he lived. And uh, that is something that is really important uh, to attract viewers to the sport. And I think CrossFit, the sport, is really, really missing out on that. The other thing that happened back in the day, and I know a lot of you know this example, and that is the CrossFit behind the scenes series. No series highlighted. All the athletes in the sport, like the behind the scenes series. Um, it definitely was not just the top athletes. Um, when Sevon and his crew were doing that, they talked to everybody. That's how I met and got to know Travis Mayer. That's how I got to know Josh Bridges. That's all those people from behind the scenes, and so I'm just going to show a quick clip of that uh so you can remember what the behind the scenes used to look like. Sorry, I've got to get quicker at this. I would love it. You're next. I kind of want your hands in my pants though. Whatever you need, Josh. Thank you. a good okay. dude. Good dude. Winning is everything. Winning is everything. Looking at Josh Bridges here, are we seeing the end of an era of the shorter CrossFit athlete? Is he the tail end of that? Uh, I mean, most of the guys are short around here. Shorts. I think, you know, Josh and I are really short. <laughs> but I think, too, like, you have to look at, like, proportions of people. You know, like, um, you know, another guy is short but super powerful is Austin Maliolo. But his arms are really long, so he's a good deadlifter. But he has really struggles with... Olympic lifting just because of the length of his arms, you know, so it's everybody's got their thing, you know, but regardless. Five, five and one sixty five or less is not a good recipe for winning the crossfit games. <laughs> so that's an example there of a little bit of Josh Bridges, a little bit of Chris Spieler talking about something that was important and germane to the games that year. And it was freaking amazing that we got that inside look into, um, into the behind the scenes stuff like that. And I miss it so much. And Bruce, it's okay if I don't get dinged, if I get dinged, you know, as long as they don't take it down, I don't care if I get monetized or not on this, just trying to spread the word of what needs to be done so that we can have a sport that's viable in the future. So the other thing that happened in the past is we had a lot of grassroots competitions where athletes could go if they weren't in the upper echelon yet. Things like um, things like Granite Games, things like Guadapalooza, which are still around, but then they became semifinals or they became sanctionals, and they weren't those grassroots competitions that they were to get people's names out and for people to know who the up and comers were in the sport. I really think that CrossFit lately has done a disservice by only highlighting the top five athletes in the sport for the most part. So what I'm thrilled about is that a couple entities have really taken advantage of this um, opportunity that CrossFit has left by doing their own thing. And the first example of that is is the Zalos games. And so I want to show it an example from part of the coverage from the Zalos games so I can make my point there. So here uh, is where Matsuza, this is... Tudor Magda had just hit a lifetime PR in the snatch workout, and Matt Souza is running back to the back to get comment immediately after the uh, event has happened. I think that was one of our camera operators, the green iPhone cover smelt that guy's armpit. And this they is where Souza gets a hold of uh, yeah. so Tudor's coach. Only been working in technique with and failed. Wow, what was that last lift he hit? 322. Holy smokes. Easy. More than Taylor Self. But- <laughs> 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 so that is a great example where the Sevon podcast, along with the Zalos games, created an environment where we not only got to see the the event itself, but we got the behind the scenes coverage that Sousa and the team could bring by just taking an iPhone, walking backstage and getting with Tudor's coach literally like 40 seconds after Tudor hit the lift. We got that instant reaction. We got to hear what Tudor has been working on and it wasn't lifting, just technique, just cons. And we got to hear all that right there on the spot about one of the young up and coming athletes in the sport. And that is invaluable. I so appreciate what Jared Graybill and the Zalos games have done along with Savon and his crew. And not only to mention that, if you look down the side of that, we're getting commentary from people that have never commentated a live sport. JR, Taylor Self, Brian Friend. That stuff was amazing. And you're getting a different perspective than the people who do it all the time. And I have nothing against Chase or Bill or Sean or Tommy. Um, I'm actually, I like a lot of those guys, but it was just refreshing to hear a different perspective from people who follow the sport religiously, who are walking encyclopedias of knowledge to be able to do that live right there on the spot. So, so appreciate what they've done there. The next thing I wanna talk about is um, Fit Wars, which just happened um, yesterday. And I'm gonna share a bit there before I make my point. And that is right there. So this is immediately after the workout. Uh, the guys sit down for a brief a debrief of the workout. So we are hearing information live on the spot Four minutes, I think, they gave them to, to kind of catch their breath. And then they, they came in to um, give their input and answer questions about the event. Well, you had a belt out there. Was that just in case? Because you didn't use it. <laughs> yeah, I had it out there before we knew what the workout was. And, Got it. Okay. Yeah, generally in concert, I don't like to use a belt. Just like taking it off and on. It seems to waste time and memory lane strong enough. It's usually not a factor. I got another question. I know Brian's probably got a bunch of them. 16.2, 19.2. The 275 bar on that workout versus this workout, do they compare? And what do you feel like? What do you have any words on that? Scott, you first, if you got anything. Uh, that's the one workout I've never been able to finish during the opens. So, um, you know, the 275 and today, like three years later, feels relatively light compared to what it used to feel. Cool. That, that stuff's just amazing. You know, here it is. We have Scott Tetlow talking about it's a workout he never finished in, in the open. And yet he does the same weight here. And it felt much lighter three years later. We get it immediately after the event happens. We get to hear why Colton doesn't wear a belt when he's doing a 275 pound clean. Because he doesn't like to take it on and off. It just gets in the way. And so that is, that is knowledge that you can't get um, two days later, three days later of an event. This is stuff you're getting immediately after what we used to get in the behind the scenes, what we used to get in the training stuff from the road to the games, all of that stuff that we have been missing out for, for a very, very long time. And in this one, we had Hiller commentating, We had um, Tyler Watkins uh, from Lawn Chair Leaderboard there with all of his stats and all of that stuff. So it really added um, to the excitement of this event. The other thing that I think they have done is created innovation because they are much smaller than the CrossFit Games. So they can try stuff that the CrossFit Games can't try. The video at the Zalos Games When Hiller was the head judge, filming the briefings so that everybody knows what's expected of every athlete was. That have not been able to do by the CrossFit Games. (laughs) And I noticed my video is lagging. Hopefully, my voice is not. If so, please just let me know. Um, So. I just want to say, like, I think that CrossFit is missing the mark by not having a media team that promotes the athletes in their sport. Um, And that is frustrating for me. One of the reasons that my podcast last year interviewed 105 semifinal athletes is these people never get their day in the sun. Um, Scott Tetlow, great guy, been on our show a couple times this was huge exposure for him. He never gets something like this. Like he got it fit wars, you know, and the fact that they opened it up for people in the audience to Venmo him donations for what he did. He is an active service member who doesn't have the training time uh, like other people do. And the fact that he gets this exposure, maybe gets a sponsor out of the deal, gets some donations to him was incredible. So These are the highlights I take from what Zalos and Fit Wars have been doing. We get to know more athletes. We get to know more athletes down the leaderboard who are striving to um, get to the CrossFit Games, not just the people who have already been there. We get to gain a connection with those people. We get to hear their stories. I mean... There were moments at the Zalos games where Brian is leaning on the fence and the athletes are talking to their family, friends, coaches, and they just start talking to Brian as well. And you get to hear all of that stuff. Then uh, you'd look at the different analysis from all over the floor. You get to hear the people like Brian Friend or Taylor Self live in a competition, JR, who I deeply respect for his knowledge. And then you have Suzeer running all over the place, getting behind the scenes coverage that we just don't get at other times of the season. And yes, Bruce, you're que- the question is he is active. He is active Navy currently. Um we've had him on a couple times. Um I think we had him on right before Rogue where he talked about being an active Navy member and what his training schedule looks like because of that. So Then you also get um, an overall better understanding of the sport when you're getting this deep in-depth knowledge right after the event, right before the event, during the event, when you can hear what coaches are saying, what people who have trained athletes are saying. Um, It's just awesome. And then what that does overall is overall popularity grows for not only the sport, but for the athletes themselves. The more we know the athletes, the more vested interest we have in more heats at the semifinals, in more heats at the games, because we know more of those athletes and, uh, and we want them to succeed because of that. When you know the stories behind the scenes, you know that. Um, and I, I want to make one last comparison. If you ever watch American Ninja Warrior Yes, the people are phenomenal athletes and what they do is crazy going across those obstacle courses. But the reason you root for somebody is because of the backstory they tell you before they go. When you know that the person has a kid with Down syndrome or a wife with MS or whatever they've gone through, now you're rooting for that person a whole lot more than you are if you're just watching someone try to do an athletic event, it's about, um, it's about supporting that person through a tough time and watching them overcome, uh, all that stuff that they have to get to that place. That's what the road to the games did. That's what the behind the scenes did. And thank goodness for Hiller, Savon, Nick, um, vindicate paper street, all these people who are backing these new ventures, Jared Graybill, all of those people who are backing these events so that we can get a glimpse like this behind the scenes. And the more and more of these come out, the more and more I see this as the future of CrossFit because we cannot sustain just that single season if we don't know the players on the court. We have to know the people that are coming in and these smaller. Um, more intimate setting competitions that get us to know who these people are is the wave of the future. So thank you, Wad Zombie. Thank you, Jared Graybill. Thank you, Zalos. Thank you, Fit Wars for all that you do and the media people covering them like Killer and Savon. I appreciate it so much. And hopefully CrossFit takes note or gets out of the way one or the other because This train's moving forward because of people like you and I can't wait to see where it goes in the future. Thank you so much for jumping on and I will catch you next time on Scott riffs presented by the Clydesdale media. Also, if you like what you heard, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, share with your friends and hit the notifier. So you're the first to know when new stuff comes out with that. I will see you tomorrow when we interview Julie Rappaport. Until then, good night, people, and have a great night.